Hello, my Rebels. Today, I take you through the day's unfolding events, how Justin Trudeau, in standing with the illegal blockaders who are blocking a First Nations-backed pipeline, fake Aboriginals who are opposing the 20 Aboriginal bands who support the pipeline, how Trudeau has done so by forming a coalition government with the Bloc Québécois and the NDP. That's what has happened. I'll prove it to you. Uh, stay tuned for that. I'll uh, also invite you to become a video subscriber. If you become a premium subscriber, you get the video version of this podcast. Um, and today we got some great videos, including some of the crazy protests, including the attempt to arrest, the citizens' arrest against BC's NDP premier. You got to see that funny clip. It's eight bucks a month. Go to premium.rebelnews.com and sign up. Okay, here's the rest of the podcast. Tonight, Justin Trudeau finally makes a definitive statement about the pipeline blockades. And it's a statement of surrender. It's February 18th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I published it is because it's my bloody right to do so. When Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Trudeau, brought in martial law to crack down on the Front de Libération du Québec, the FLQ, a paramilitary group, a terrorist group, really. They were agitating for Quebec separatism. Well, Pierre Trudeau made no apologies for how brutal he would be. I think the response to terrorists should always be brutal, by the way. The trouble with Trudeau's martial law, Pierre Trudeau's martial law, is that it treated everyone as a terrorist. It was brutal to everybody. The whole province was essentially put on lockdown. He brought in martial law. There were warrantless searches and seizures. I don't know if you know this, but RCMP officers actually torched the barns of farmers who were suspected of sympathizing with the FLQ. They literally committed the crime of arson. Trudeau's police did that. Did you know that every, every newspaper in Quebec uh, was censored? by Trudeau during his imposition of the War Measures back, I didn't know that fact until some years ago when I happened to be speaking to Conrad Black's then partner, David Radler. Together, the two of them owned many newspapers, but back during the FLQ crisis, uh, they were much smaller. Radler told me that he was appointed, he personally was the English language censor for newspapers in Quebec. I couldn't believe it, but why couldn't I believe it? That's what martial law was, censoring newspapers. So that was Pierre Trudeau, play acting as a tyrant like his good friends Mao and Castro. I suppose you could say he was defending the unity and integrity of our country. A reporter asked him just how far he'd go, and you know what he said, this. At, at any memory. cost? At any cost? How far would you go with that? How far would you extend that? Well, just watch me. So that's Pierre Trudeau, but uh, Justin Trudeau lacks his father's everything, really, other than his name and inherited wealth. Justin is dumber than his dad. Justin is unaccomplished in life, unlike his dad, excepting 
his elevation to the highest office in the land. I mean, really, what did he do before that miracle? Justin Trudeau lacks courage and decisiveness. Now, on many things, that's good. I don't want Trudeau making a lot of decisions. But we actually need a leader now to make some decisions now. The whole country is being shut down by the most pitiful group of protesters ever seen. They're not even armed terrorists like some of the FLQ were. You know, the FLQ murdered people. They planted bombs in mailboxes. They, they were a threat. They had connections to the dictatorship of Cuba. These eco-protesters this past week have been pitiful. Here's Kean talking to some. Would you be able to tell me what is actually being transported to Kitimat? Uh, oil. Oil? I believe so. What do you think is being transported to Kitimat? Oil. Oil. From where? Um, I'm not entirely sure, but I know it has to do something with the Albertan government, so... Could you tell me what is in the pipeline? Um, it is, um, crude oil. Just one quick question. Could you tell me what is in the pipe? What they're going to be transporting? No, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think we need to deploy the armed forces as Trudeau did. Really, any adult who isn't in a weakened state because they're vegan would be able to clear out this latest lot of hippies. Yeah, um, I think they'd fall over if you just touched them, but our police won't do that. You know, this morning, um, those weird protesters said they were going to do a citizen's arrest on the NDP premier of British Columbia, John Horgan. They weren't being arrested. So they thought, well, pff, well why don't there ought to be some arresting? Let's arrest the premier of BC. It was about as pathetic as you'd expect. Political BS. Political spam. Shame on Chuck Luth for endorsing this, actually. Shame oh, on you the free press. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Horgan. What's the Horgan? You invaded the Wet'suwet'en and Homeland. You made it personal, John. Oh, that's awesome. What's that? So unprofessional, that's all I can say. Oh my God, that's so lame. Yeah, these aren't the FLQ. And in the case of the Premier's personal house, well, that was the one time they were shooed away, but not in many other cases. Railways have been shut down en masse via rail, CN rail, affecting the distribution of countless things that move in this country by rail, which affects people outside of the West. But I think the eco-radicals have been too bold. Last week, they blocked not only British Columbia's legislature, including the handicapped entrance, which I thought was really classy, but they started to rough up journalists just a little bit. How dumb is that to turn against their key allies, their base? Really? I mean, journalists love Greta Thunberg, the Extinction Rebellion, all these foreign-funded environmental actors. They're, they're, they're actors. That's, you know, when other people are inconvenienced, the media loves these guys. But journalists and the NDP politicians themselves being inconvenienced? How dare you? Yeah, everyone likes Greta when she's aimed at your enemies, but aiming them at her allies? That's really dumb, guys. Hey, just a tangent here. Can I show you? These professional protesters, Greta's street teams, 
in the United Kingdom. Remember this? I showed you this a couple months ago. Remember this? They all wanted to put their boots in, didn't they? That's what happened when Greta's street teams inconvenienced working-class Brits by stopping the railways there. Some hipsters weren't quite a match for working men and women being made late for work. I see these environmentalists in the UK. Look at this. They're digging up the pristine lawns in historic sites in the UK. Gorgeous university. Look at that. I thought these, spokes, these folks were supposed to be pro-environment. That's Greta street thugs. It's so weird. Thugs is too big a word. Like I say, you can knock them over with a flick. Um, well, they brought that same spirit to Canada, big time. Via Rail shut down all of its traffic amongst the three great liberal cities of Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Canceled, canceled, canceled. Guys, what are you doing? That's your base. Those three cities voted overwhelmingly for the left, for climate justice, whatever. But all those voters in Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, they just assumed that the people who would pay the price would be Albertans, duh. I mean, sure, shutting down trains and cars. If that were to happen, it would cut their carbon footprint. But they, they don't want to have to be the ones to actually make a sacrifice. Isn't all the pain of decarbonizing supposed to be handled by Alberta? And all the bragging rights done by those three great liberal cities? So Greta's... Street thugs are irritating Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa liberals. The ones using public transit, no less. Dumb, dumb, dumb. I mean, had those hippies, those vegans, those Vietnam draft dodgers blocked Jason Kenney's home instead of John Horgan's home, they'd be getting cheers from the media. But blocking an NDP activist like John Horgan, it's almost like this thing is being quarterbacked by... I don't know, Greta Thunberg's parents or the UN, something like that, someone who has no clue about how Canadian politics work. The only grown-up in Trudeau's cabinet, Mark Garneau, the transport minister, he started getting worried about, you know, deaths and stuff. And, and Vashu, if, if I may add one additional thing, because I think it's important to point it out, um, I have concerns with respect to uh, safety here. Uh, there have been instances uh, with the, the railroads where people have um, climbed on uh, railway cars. Uh, that happened over the weekend. There have been instances where unexpected, uh, an unexpected blockade was put in, in an area where a train was, was at, in fact operating and the railway company was not aware of that. And that can be extremely dangerous uh, when a train is coming along. You know the trains in Canada are long, they're big, they're heavy, they're large, they can't stop on a dime. And uh, there have also been uh, instances of tampering as well on the railways. And, and one that concerns me particularly is, uh, is uh, 
uh, disabling the signalization, the signaling that occurs at a, at, a, at a road crossing. So these are things that I would urge Canadians. Uh, we accept peaceful pro pro protests in this country and demonstrations that are peaceful and lawful, but it is concerning uh, if people aren't respecting the fact that they can not only injure themselves, but they can injure other people. So I would ask uh, Canadians to be sensible on the issue of uh, railway safety. So you use the word extremely dangerous. Imagine tampering road crossings. How is that anything other than eco-terrorism? So he's extremely concerned, but he's not going to do anything about it. There have been no arrests on these railroads. He works for Justin Trudeau, after all, but at least he's talking about sabotage. Mark Miller, the new Aboriginal Affairs Minister, whose sole qualification seems to be that he's a schoolyard friend of Justin Trudeau, boyhood friend of Trudeau, he was dispatched to get to the root of the problem, except the root of the problem is not Indian bands. As you know, 20 out of the 20 Indian bands along the route of the coastal gas line pipeline that is allegedly the cause of these protests, 20 out of 20 of them, all of them support the pipeline, all of them. They, they had votes, some even had a referendum. Their bands will get jobs and money from the pipeline, real life stuff, and it's natural gas. It doesn't cause an oil spill if you're worried about that. It's a low carbon fuel, natural gas, if you're worried about that. As Kean pointed out last year, the Wet'suwet'en Indians who are opposed to this pipeline aren't actually a First Nation. They're not a real Indian band. They're a corporation that gets funding from foreigners, including the Tides Foundation. They're fake. They're not real. So this isn't an Indian affairs matter, other than perhaps upholding the will of the 20 Indian men who support the pipeline. Uh, here's a few of them. I'm just a regular guy. I want to work like this. This project is going to have, what, 10,000 employees. Now, if we interrupt one little part of it, it's going to erupt the whole line. And that's a lot of, you know, 10,000 people is a lot of families and businesses that are going to be affected. And so, people don't believe how crazy this can get. And so these, these organizers of this really slick, well-funded campaign, they know exactly what they're doing. So when they're going to tell the, the, the rest of Canada, you know, oh, oh my God, look at all the RCMP you know, all this violence of the RCMP, that's not happening. It'll bring a lot of jobs for people down, down the road for our community that want to work. And uh, there's a conflict between some certain people that which don't even have an idea where our trap lines and who owns the territory and which area are thinking that they know it all and they're stepping in saying they don't even know deadly squat about our territory and then meanwhile they're putting on roadblocks and so forth and that's uncalled for. I like that last guy. They don't know diddly squat about our territory, but they're putting down roadblocks. Yeah. Well, that's who the liberals care about. The people who know diddly squat, Mark Miller, Trudeau's buddy. He met with Indians, but not the pro-pipeline with Suatan you just saw there. He met with Mohawks in Ontario? What's that got to do with the Suatan people in northern BC? So some rogue Mohawk activists had been blocking the trains in Ontario. Listen to Miller. What I've been concerned about over the last week or so is growing tides of um, bigotry and racism that is being leveled against um, amazing people that have um, 
helped us in hard times, uh, whose relationship with us in some cases is characterized um, by alliances, and um, in some cases we've broken our promise to them. And people need to understand that the people here want a fair shot. They want to be treated respectfully, but they're some great people, uh, and they are, they are peaceful. They are fundamentally peaceful. And what the hell is he talking about? Broken promises, amazing people. What is he? He's talking about people breaking the law, blocking railways in Ontario. What the racism? The railroad doesn't pass through, through Mohawk territory. It's the, the people Miller met with. They don't have the democratic or legal authority to speak for the Mohawk, let alone for the Wet'suwet'en people. One of the people that Miller met with for hours was named Seth Laforte. Seth Laforte, who's that? Well, he's the star of this CBC story about illegal drug dealers being raided by Mohawk police. Let me say that again. Just like the real Indian bands in BC want the pipeline to go through and a fake Indian group says they're against it who don't know Diddley Squad. Well, the real Indian police force says these guys are just crooks dealing drugs. Take a look at this. CBC story. It was quiet that Thursday evening in November at the Mohawk Medicine Herbal Store in Six Nations when a swarm of officers wielding a battering ram and assault rifles burst in through the door. Seth Laforte and an employee who were standing at the counter when the gun barrels appeared immediately kneeled and held up their hands, according to surveillance video provided to CBC News. They came in like they were robbing a bank, said Laforte in an interview describing the November 16, 2017 raid. They said, everyone get on the ground, get on the ground. Now let me show you what that looked like according to the store's surveillance cameras. So this is a police raid on Seth LaFord. These are, just I want to be triple clear here, these police were Six Nations police. They were Aboriginal police. They're real Indians with real legal authority. This guy was dealing drugs, they said. Seth LaFord was one of the guys arrested. And Mark Miller was meeting with Seth LaFord? A, rep a representative of, of who? Uh, uh, not of the Mo a representative of local drug dealers? What? Justin Trudeau's cabinet minister is meeting with that guy, an illegal pot dealer that the Mohawk police themselves think is a crook. And you heard Mark Miller. Look at this local report from the local newspaper, Quinty News. Scroll down a bit. Look at that train stopped on the tracks. Just, just stopped. Lafort, the guy who was arrested in that pot raid, he's lecturing the minister. Let me, let me re read what this guy has to say. Lafort continued, our people are not angry. They would be held to pay if they were angry. They are afraid that you are going to bring your army against us. We are afraid, not angry. What? what? Wait, are you afraid you're going to get another raid from the drug cops or something? What the hell? Imagine meeting. Imagine you're the Aboriginal Affairs Minister and you're meeting not with any Indian band chief or council, not with any community leaders, not even with your Aboriginal police, but you're meeting with some guy, some drug dealer. I'm dead serious. That's what happened there. Well, listen to Trudeau in Parliament today. What a disgrace. Do we want to become a country of irreconcilable differences, where people talk but refuse to listen, 
where politicians are ordering police to arrest people. A country where people think they can tamper with rail lines and endanger lives. This is simply unacceptable. We cannot solve these problems on the margins. That is not the way forward. I know that people's patience is running short. We need to find a solution, and we need to find it now. So, so that just sort of ended with, with nothing. No deadline, no rule of law. That, he had a line in there about politicians telling police what to do. It's a bit rich from the Prime Minister who directed the police to arrest and frame Mark Norman, the Vice Admiral of the Canadian uh, military, simply for embarrassing Trudeau. But actually, it is the job of the police to enforce the law, uphold the law, and it's clear that far from being told to enforce the law, they clearly have been told not to enforce it. Just like Trudeau tried to get Jody Wilson-Raybould not to enforce the law against SNC-Lavalin. Uh, reminder, the head of the RCMP is a hand-picked Trudeau woman, especially chosen as a gender hire, a political hire, this woman here. Uh, she won't investigate Trudeau for SNC-Lavalin. She won't touch eco-terrorism on the railways. One last development uh, later today in Parliament, Trudeau convened an emergency meeting. His Liberals, the separatist bloc Québécois, which has recently come out forcefully against any oil and gas pipelines and the tech frontier oil sands mine, and the Green Party and the NDP were invited too. Every party in Parliament was invited to Trudeau's crisis meeting except the official opposition Conservatives because they, you know, disagreed with Trudeau. About an hour ago, I had a meeting with uh, Mr. Singh, Mr. Blanchet, and Ms. May uh, to discuss how uh, this government is working to uh, engage in peaceful resolution of uh, this situation. Mr. Schiller uh, disqualified himself from uh, constructive discussions with his unacceptable speech earlier today. Got it. So criticizing the government is unacceptable speech, and he's disqualified from having a seat at the table, even though he's the official opposition. So we don't really have a minority government in Canada anymore, do we? We now have a coalition government. All the parties that despise the oil and gas industry, all the parties that hate Alberta, all the parties that are fine with lawlessness in the name of Aboriginal solidarity, but that do so falsely because they stand not with the true Indian bands who support the pipelines, but with the fake ones who oppose it, and with some drug dealer. <laughs> That's Trudeau's coalition with destroyers, including the Bloc Québécois. You know, just the other day, Justin Trudeau warmly greeted and shook hands and even patted on the back a senior dictator in Iran's government who just murdered dozens of Canadians by shooting down a civilian airliner. Look at Trudeau smiling. Trudeau would meet with him and warmly greet him, but not the leader of the opposition who wants to build a pipeline. Justin Trudeau put on hold his plans to go to Barbados today. It would have been, what, his fourth or fifth junket in 2020. I've lost track. You know Trudeau loves the Caribbean. He came back to do what? To announce what? Nothing. He might as well have gone on his fifth vacation. He's not here mentally. He's still got that vacation beard, that don't give a damnness about him. I read today that when Trudeau returned to Canada for this crisis, he actually didn't return directly to a crisis meeting or even to deal with the Iran thing. He went skiing first. He went skiing.
skiing when he got back to Canada. Yeah, it's almost like he doesn't mind Canada's economy being shut down to block a pipeline. It's almost like he prefers an economic crisis, an excuse to cave into radical demands. It's almost like another one of his childhood friends, Gerald Butts, formerly of the World Wildlife Fund. Why, it's almost like he's still running the show. Stay with us for more. Well, there have been railway blockades across the country. Um, we've seen uh, particular threats in Ontario where some railway equipment has apparently been tampered with. And uh, even in Atlantic Canada, this is threatening the shipment of many necessities, including po propane fuel. But the cause, or at least the, the supposed cause for all this criminality is the coastal gasling pipeline in British Columbia. What's so odd about that is Justin Trudeau's incident response group, this crisis management team, doesn't have a single British Columbian on it. Joining us now from Victoria is our friend Aaron Gunn, who runs Canada Strong and Proud, and you can find out more about him at aarongunn.ca. Aaron, great to see you. We love checking in with you. You give us the other side of the story. I'll always remember your coverage of when Victoria City Hall tore down the John A., the Sir John A. Macdonald statue, and I was so glad you were there to capture that. This is another form of vandalism, but it's a bit more serious. Tell me about the protests that you can see with your eyes. Um, against nominally this coastal gasoline pipeline, but really against the entire industrial economy. Tell me what you see and who's behind it. Well, there's been, uh, well, thanks for having me, Ezra. There's been protests and just general lawlessness across this province for the better part of a week or, or even two weeks now. Uh, on last Tuesday there, that would have been the February 10th, I think, uh, 10th or 11th, uh, they blockaded the legislature here in British here in Victoria, prevented elected MLAs from from sitting during the throne speech. They blockaded bridges and intersections throughout Victoria and Vancouver. They tried to uh, blockade a stretch of highway up in Courtney, but that didn't go so well for them. And uh, they blockaded rail lines as well in the Lower Mainland and up in in northern BC. And what's going on here? I was on the ground, so I actually got to to see and attempted to speak with some of these individuals. And it's really, they're very well organized. Uh, they're obviously, it's part of that same ENGO movement that, uh, you know, they have Excel spreadsheets set up and they have their 200 uh, kind of uh, reoccurring protesters that's definitely led by a group of paid protesters that are out just trying to cause absolute havoc. And the police, or at least the police leadership and political leadership are basically letting them get away with it. So uh, even when you do get an injunction, the police actually do enforce the injunction. It's kind of like you're playing a, a whack in a legal blockade. They, one goes away and another one just springs up somewhere else. So it's been a little chaotic. And uh, most recently, they actually tried to, uh, to uh, blockade the premier of British Columbia's personal residence and, uh, and, and make a citizen's arrest on him, which is obviously a new level of craziness. And it's my understanding that the police actually uh, did make some arrests uh, uh, in this uh, particular case. You know, uh, I didn't think of it until I just heard you say it again. When they blockaded the B.C. legislature, I thought that was crazy. 
Um, I thought the way they harassed political politicians of every stripe, they blockaded the handicap zone. But just when I heard you say again, it made me remember something that I learned in law school more than 20 years ago, and I just Googled it on my phone. Let me read to you Section 51 of the Criminal Code. I forgot it until the second you said it. Aaron, it's very short. It's only one sentence long. It's called intimidating parliament or legislature. It's a specific crime in the criminal code. It's so short, I'll read it to you right now. Section 51. Everyone who does an act of violence in order to intimidate parliament or the legislator of a, legislature of a province is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term not exceeding 14 years. So that's a serious crime. I don't think I saw any violence at the legislature, but any violence at all. So a sit-in wouldn't qualify, a protest wouldn't qualify, maybe blocking a door wouldn't qualify. But you shove one, someone, you push someone, you threaten someone, you escalate it from protest to violence, that's a 14-year prison term. These people are trying to intimidate our very rule of law. They are. They're, well, they're trying to intimidate uh, our very country. They're trying to bring it to its knees. That's why, I mean, they're going after choke points on purpose, uh, like the rail blockade in Ontario, the blockade of the, the commuter rail here in uh, the lower mainland, just outside Vancouver. And uh, really the two bridges, which are the only two emergency routes they blockaded at the same time that enter into uh, downtown Victoria from uh, Vic West and Esquimalt. So, um, I mean, they're going after, this is their entire narrative, that the entire country is illegitimate, that uh, Canada is a bad, bad place. You know, the hashtag that they're using is hashtag shut down Canada. So they're not exactly being shy about what they're trying to accomplish here. And to be honest, Ezra, one of the most important things, I think for your viewers to, to realize and understand is that this is just a warm up act for them. This is the coastal gas link pipeline. Not a lot has been talked about it. It's supported by all the First Nation bands. It's natural gas. This is a warm-up for TMX, Trans Mountain Expansion. Uh, they are just, they're warming up for the, the level of, you think it's bad now, wait till the TMX, which is a, a oil pipeline that terminates basically in downtown Vancouver, wait until uh, they direct the protest to that when they start actually building that portion of it. You are exactly right. That is very uh, perceptive of you. I mean, natural gas, you don't have an oil spill if, God forbid, a natural gas pipeline breaks. It's just gas. You smell the gas. You turn it off. Um, and like you say, all the Indian bands support it. Everyone supports it. If they will do this over an innocuous, environmentally harmless, not that the, an oil pipeline is harmful, but it's this is so... Uh, uh, harmless, this is so inconspicuous, this is so uncontroversial. They literally had votes and referenda in all these Indian bands. They all support, if they will do it for this, imagine what they will do for an oil pipeline about which there is some controversy. And I think the protesters have had an outstanding success. They haven't had a single police response other than clearing that weirdo, those weirdos off of John Horgan's front yard today when they tried to do a citizen arrest. Other than that, the police have done nothing or next to nothing. The RCMP has done nothing. The railway lines have been shut down next to nothing or nothing. Um, Mark Miller, the federal Aboriginal minister, 
met with a band of rogue protesters, including a guy who was arrested recently in a police raid. Like, he's not meeting with Aboriginal leaders. He's meeting with rogue protesters. I think these protests are actually supported by Trudeau because this gives him a way out of approving pipelines that he really doesn't want to do. Is that too crazy a theory that Trudeau is happy with this chaos because he can say, well, you know, guys, you know me, I really like oil and gas, but I can't do it because we'd have another Oka civil war on our hands. Well, I mean, I can't speak to Justin Trudeau's deeper personal motivations, although I can say when I look in his face now that he's finally back in Canada, it's the face of someone who has absolutely no idea what to do in the current situation. Uh, that's what I can tell for sure. And um, as to his motivations, I, I think both for Justin Trudeau federally and John Horgan here in BC, they're really uh, reaping what they've sowed here by creating this culture of victimization and which has kind of gave way to this myth that this project would somehow uh, be bad for the indigenous people of Canada, which which they aren't. They're, they're huge job creators and, and can help, you know, thousands, tens of thousands get out of this poverty trap. So um, I'm not sure to Justin Trudeau's, it, it's, I'll tell you something, if this leads to the cancellation of either Coastal Gas Link or Trans Mountain, uh, I can't imagine, not to mention the Tech Resource Project, by the way, in Alberta, which is another decision coming up. Uh, I know Alberta, the anger there is, uh, you know, on a knife's edge. So um, well, I guess we'll just have to see how he balances those, those uh, competing crises across Canada. Yeah. Well, you know, you've got Stephen Gilbo in cabinet now. He used to run Equiterre, which is like a Quebec version of the Suzuki Foundation. He was literally convicted of a crime uh, in his radical eco-protesting. That wasn't very long ago. You have Gerald Butts, who has returned uh, gently to the Liberal Party uh, after his self-exile. He used to be the head of the World Wildlife Fund. You have senior chiefs of staff in the government uh, Marlo Reynolds used to be the head of the Pembina uh, Institute. You have um, Tides Foundation staff who are now senior policy advisors in the PMO. Your theory is this could just be a clueless guy whose head isn't in the game. He's got his vacation uh, look still going. He just came back through his fourth junket in 2020. There's a lot to say that maybe Trudeau's just mentally checked out. But I don't think we can absolutely rule out that the deep state, so to speak, in Trudeau's government, all these unelected senior advisors, and uh, they sort of like this. They sort of like the division. They like the radicalization. They like the sense of chaos. I, I just think that both are possible, and until we rule out that this is part of I mean, I don't want to, this isn't a conspiracy theory. It's trying to explain why isn't he enforcing the law when Mark Garneau himself says there's a danger? Last word to you, Aaron. Bring me back to uh, down to earth here. I mean, I'm a rule of law kind of guy. I don't understand why the RCMP haven't gone in, cleared the railroad tracks, laid charges where, where appropriate, being gentle where, where appropriate, but send out a signal. Uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just out of touch with what rule of law looks like, but I think this is not just an accident. I think something here is planned. Disabuse me of that notion if, if you want. Well, I think it really goes back to Trudeau specifically painting himself. I don't, I don't know what's, it, when his, what's in his heart of hearts. And I definitely don't think that he's really someone that's uh, staying up late at night, setting the policy direction for his government. But uh, I think 
he has painted himself into a rhetorical corner by talking, by encouraging this culture of victimization over the past four years. Uh, and, and now he's, he's in a, he's put himself in a, back himself into a corner where he can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of what I lean towards, mm-hmm. but it's been really, what's going on in Ontario is, is crazy. Like in BC, at least they've been getting injunctions and after a couple of days, uh, work to clear out, uh, the blockaded ports and stuff like that in Ontario, which has nothing to do, the Mohawks that are blockading this rail line has nothing to do with the wet suet and coastal gas link blockade. They're blockading one of the most important rail route in the country and the government and CN has got an injunction for it. And the police basically haven't been following the, the rule of law, which says you have to enforce court injunctions and they're just ignoring it. And I think that's that's uh, insane, basically. And um, we're basically allowing ourselves to be taken hostage by a very small group of people. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I'm still looking for an explanation and I don't know if we'll if we'll know the real explanation for what's going on for for many months or years. I do know that many of the groups that are agitating are foreign funded. I'd see Sapora Berman, who works for the U.S.-based Stand.Earth. She is fomenting and agitating. They're based in the United States. The Tides Foundation funding these rogue Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs that that's public documents that uh, we've exposed. So we do know who some of the bad guys are. Aaron, I'm glad you're one of the good guys. Thanks for reporting in with us. I want to find the truth, and it's hard to get that from the fog machine that is Justin Trudeau, but we'll keep at it. Thanks, my friend. Thank you for having me. All right, there you have it. Aaron Gunn. I recommend his website, AaronGunn.ca. And of course, he's one of the good guys in BC who's been fighting An uphill battle, I'm afraid, in that province, but hopefully uh, to some effect. Stay with us. More Head on the Rebel. Hey, what do you think about Trudeau having an emergency meeting with all the parties except for the Conservatives? Uh, I think that's called a coalition government. We now have a anti-Alberta, anti-oil and gas coalition propped up by the Bloc Québécois. They are the third largest party in Parliament, if you've forgotten. Uh, It's incredible, but um, as they say, shocking but not surprising. I think Trudeau knows how he's going to sustain his minority government. Kill the pipeline, kill the tech frontier mine. Do you really think the Trans Mountain Pipeline's ever going to get built either? What an incredible and sad turn of events. Folks, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night and keep fighting for freedom.